0: ever. Some time ago, I was doing some studying for something. I don't remember what I was studying now. I I often find myself in a deep, dark rabbit hole. You've ever studied the Bible like that? You're you're studying about one thing, and 30 minutes later, you realize, I have no idea what I've been doing for 30 minutes, and just been stuck. Uh, And uh, this was one of those things, and it just kept my attention for so long. And uh, just a little phrase in this that we'll get to in a little bit, and I uh, just kept going on this a little bit and and uh, then decided this is what we 'll talk about on mother 's day it 's a bag of mixed emotions for lots of moms. We have all kinds of moms here we have uh, moms of little ones we have moms of babies we have moms of little tykes and teenagers, and we have even many moms of of uh, adult adult children and uh, I hope that this morning it it will not just apply to one group and I think even all of the males in the room, that uh, you're definitely not a mom. Uh, I want you to hopefully get something from this as well. Numbers chapter 11, I will primarily speak to the moms, but uh, as I said, this is something I think that all of us can can uh, learn from. We begin in verse number 4 and, and kind of pick up the story from where we started in verse number 4. They're out in the desert and they have uh, left Egypt and they've crossed the Red Sea and they're doing this wandering in the desert. And there was a mixed multitude that came up with the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so uh, that was people who would have been uh, Egyptian and Israelite. And they came in verse number 4 and says it says that there was a mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, leeks, onions, garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. As I read through this passage, I was kind of thinking Mother's Day. But the more I read this passage, I thought mothers, 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 mothers. Let me show you. Uh, let me see that. Show that first slide up there. I'm going to show you a couple of things that uh, I noticed about mothers. They're whining about their food. They're exaggerating about their suffering. Look down in verse number six. It says, "Our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna." Can you? Can you I'm thinking of kids. I have two of them. I have. Two uh, dramatic kids, and I can see one, uh, you know, shrieking down into nothingness. I'm dying. You know, you stubbed your toe. It's going to be okay. There's nothing to eat. There's vegetables in there. You know, there's no snacks. You know, just whining about the food, exaggerating, and then this. They were complaining about the lack of variety. They didn't not have food. They just didn't have the food that. They wanted moms. Can I get an amen there? You, 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 spend an hour on dinner. You sit it down. I don't want to eat that. You're like, quiet, dear. The children are watching. You know, uh, uh, there's, there's these, there's these, these people that you slave over the hot stove for an hour or two and then you sit down and ew. What is it? You know, why can't we have spaghetti? That's like my kid's favorite meal. I don't really like spaghetti because we have it a lot, you know, uh, because my kids, that's what they'll actually eat. And I grew up, and that's the only thing my brother liked to eat, so my mom would make a lot. I'm like, oh, so we got it. Uh, so it's not one I get excited for. And sometimes we, my wife and I have these conversations about, uh, what do you want for dinner? And we have two categories, stuff that we will enjoy and stuff that they will actually eat. And uh, sometimes you can find a happy medium. There's like three meals that uh, falls within that, that, that blended circle there. And trying to uh, avoid uh, chicken nuggets and French fries and and things that you pop open in a can and stick in a microwave. It's difficult, moms. I know what you're going through. And here's the children of Israel. Moses knows what you're going through. They're complaining to Moses that they don't have the food that they liked. We want meat. We want cucumbers. We want garlic. We want melons. We want. And we translate that into 21st century. I want Chef Boyardee. I want macaroni and cheese. I want McDonald's. I don't want I don't want meatloaf. I don't want fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is that you actually made. They're complaining about the lack of variety, ungrateful for the things that they do have. And then crying in their tents and throwing a fit. Verse number 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent. Can you picture this? Grown men. I have a tough time imagining this in my mind. Grown men standing in the doors of their tent, crying, tears coming down. Not just crying, but weeping. We don't have the food I wanted. You know, ladies, when you go grocery shopping, you come home. And, you know, you've been to Sam's, so you've got, like, uh, a truckload of groceries. And, uh, most of that is just the toilet paper and the, and the paper towels, because it's coming, like, Mondo sizes. And then, but, you know, every dad and every kid, we do the same thing, right? Mom came home from groceries. What do we do? You start looking for snacks. What'd you get? Just vegetables? Most of the time, it's just ingredients for meals. And though I appreciate those at mealtime, what I want is something prepackaged and chocolatey. And delicious. And, 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 and if there's not, what do we start doing? Oh, you, you didn't get any chips. What, what happened? They run out of chips at the store? Well, means you don't know where the chip aisle is? It's 12. I know exactly where that aisle is. You know, we start looking for the things we want, and we're crying in the tents and throwing a fit because they didn't have the kind of food that they want. Moses knows exactly what you go through, Mom, three times a day and more if your kids are like mine. Mom, I'm hungry. You just ate dinner. I know, but I didn't like it. (laughs) Well, go get an apple. I don't want an apple. Can I have popcorn? Can I have, you know, bread with butter? My my boys are carbohydrates eaters. They want bread with butter all of the time. Tortillas, bread, crackers, anything that they can. And, uh, you know, Moses knows what you're going through. With that, we get down to verse number 10. Moses hears all of this. And it says that God got very, very angry with the children of Israel. And at the same time, Moses gets displeased. It's almost like an understatement of the century, right? God is extremely angry. Moses was also displeased. You know, just just like uh, when moms are like, I'm not very happy with you now. Really? No kidding, Mom. There's smoke coming out of your ears. I, I kind of gathered that. But I'm not brave enough to say that. I'm thinking that. And I'm just going to walk away. Don't make eye contact. Keep your head down. Just like with a wild animal. And uh, maybe you will be safe. Moses is overwhelmed and desperate. And so he goes to God. And let me show you some things that Moses does. He says in verse number 11, he says, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? He's like, Why you hate me, God. Why are you doing this to me? Why did you give me these people? What did I do to deserve this? I hear a mother's, mother's pleas uh, coming through Moses' mouth right now. He says in the next verse, he says in verse number 12, basically he says, Am I their mom? He says, Did I conceive these people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, bear the sucking child? I read that. That was a phrase I thought, That's pretty useless. Giving a baby to a father and asking him to nurse it. I thought Moses must have felt super, super helpless at this point. He said, God, I am not their mother. Why are they coming to me complaining for food? Why am I so, uh, I mean, why am I so afflicted? He gets to the next verse in 14 and he says, I am not able to do this. He says, I am not able to bear all this people alone. It is too heavy for me. Then he gets down to the end. He becomes suicidal. He says, and if it's going to be like this, he said, if you deal out with me thus, kill me. I pray thee. Just put me out of my misery. I'm done with this. I cannot meet their demands. I am useless. I am helpless. I cannot do this anymore. If this is what it's going to be like, just let me die. <laughs> Moms, you ever been there? You ever been felt like that? Like, oh, yeah, this morning we as parents, even I mean, we, we moms and dads, we both feel this way sometimes. But when I feel Moses, we get down to verse number 15, the end of verse 15, and we see really Moses explains. He reveals a little bit why he feels so horrible, because he says, let me not see my wretchedness. That word wretchedness there is talking about his misery. It, and he's, he's basically saying, I'm tired of seeing how much of a failure I am at this. I can't do this, God. This is too hard. Millions Jews walking around in the desert there are no 7-Elevens. There are no Wegmans, Aldis. There is no food. And God, you did supply us food and you gave us water, but all we have are crackers and water, God. And though it's an amazing miracle and it's, and it's, and it's filling us and it's taking care of us. God, we're getting kind of tired of this and the natives are restless. God, oh, just kill me. Just, just find someone else to lead them to your promised land. It's not worth it. If her mother's, my mother, I put my mother through that, I know, sometimes. And I'm sure that some of yours do that. I wonder, you ever felt like that, Mom? Maybe Dad, even? Have you ever felt like that? What can moms do, then, to learn from our story today? I wanted to be an encouragement to you, not just to empathize with you a little bit through Moses' story, but I wanted to be an encouragement to you. But What I found here is that Moses fell into a trap as the leader of this great people that I believe that moms and dads even also can fall into. He fell into a trap of trying to do this all by himself. He tried to do it all alone. It's the trap of feeling like you have to be super mom. See that, the, the little graphic there? I mean, moms, you are super mom but the problem with being a superhero is that everyone looks to you to fix everything right everyone looks to you to be the problem solver you don't get a day off you don't get a break you're just constantly serving and doing and let me be honest let me just just be honest let me speak for i think what i can speak for all moms out there you get tired of it sometimes it gets exhausting it gets overwhelming let me show you what happens when we try to do it alone just very quickly but look in verse 11 wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant wherefore have i not found favor in thy sight that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me number one when i try to do it alone it becomes a burden instead of a blessing the 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 idea of having children being a mother or a father is no longer a blessing to me but a burden to me It's something I can handle. It's something I'm going to do. But it's not something welcomed. It's something tolerated. When I try to do it alone, eventually it becomes a burden. Then that burden becomes too heavy for me to bear. When the gravity... Do you remember holding that baby for the first time in your arms? Mothers and fathers. And the understanding that this child totally, completely depends on me. If this child is going to survive... It's going to be because I did something for it. And then you realize, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Most of us became parents in our early 20s, right? And we still had not figured out how to take care of our own selves yet. You're like, I have no idea. And that right around that time, our own parents started getting smarter all of a sudden because we didn't want to hear what they had to say earlier. And now, Mom! How do you put this diaper on? What's going on? Why is the baby crying? Mom, what's this? What's that? I don't know what to do. Help me. Because, because the burden becomes too heavy to bear. Too much for one person. The stress and the demands. And I realize that in my own strength, I am insufficient. And like Moses said, I'm about as useless as a nursing father. Remember when our kids were growing up? Our babies, still nursing. My wife would make me get up and go and help. And I said, Mom, I call her Denise. I say, Denise, you know, I'm not very helpful right now. Middle of the night, at least one of us should be able to stay in bed and sleep, right? The baby wants you. It's pretty obvious. So why don't you go and take care of the baby? She goes, no, no, you're going to help. So my job is to go get the baby and carry the baby, you know, bumping into walls do you ever do this? This is in my nose. You ever hold the baby and you walk through a doorway and you, you clip that baby around the door jam? I, I did that once or a few times. And uh, but uh I felt really bad. One day we were on a we were on a crew, uh, not a crew, it was a ferry. We were on a ferry boat going uh from Washington to Canada, going to Vancouver. And I had Riley on my shoulders. He was probably three or four, I had him on my shoulders, and you know, I'm walking around and being a good dad. I walked under a doorway and bam, right under the and, it, you know, it's all cement. I mean, it's. It, and I, I knocked the kid out. He, he was crying. He didn't want me anymore after that for whatever reason. But uh, I didn't feel like a good dad that day. And guess where he went? He went to mom. And then she gives me the look, you know, what were you doing? Why are you being so irresponsible? You know, <laughs> took me a while to gain his confidence back from that again. But when we try to do these things all alone, we realize we can't give them everything they want. And when that completely settles in, we get to the third progression there in verse 15. He says, kill me. I just can't do this. Let me see my wretched. Don't let me see my wretchedness. Don't let me see. I don't want to witness. I'm tired of looking at my children not being met and seeing that I'm I'm just incapable of doing it for them. And he gets overwhelmed with all of these things. So, God... Has to teach him a lesson that I think that will help all of us this morning if we would pay attention to the to the lesson that God wants us to learn through Moses' story. Really, number one is the main idea. If you walk away with just one thing from today, I want you to remember it. Number one, you're not alone. Uh, even if you're a single mom this morning, you're not alone. Uh, God has given you. Uh, a support team, a staff, if you will, to help you if you would only take advantage of them. Number one, He is there. God is always there with us. You're never alone in parenting them. And that's the first thing that Moses had to realize. He came to God and said, I can't do this alone. And God had to remind him, I'm here. God had to remind Moses, Moses, you haven't been feeding them up to this point anyways. You are completely useless without me. I've been bringing them bread I am the one who's been bringing them water. I am the one who's been leading them through this desert. Moses, you're just helping me out. And as a mother, you have to remember, before you get overwhelmed, you're not doing this all by yourself. Or at least you don't have to do this all by yourself. God is there. Really, they are God's children. And God has placed them into your care. And given you the unique privilege, as the video even mentioned, of being that child's mom. And when God decided to have a mother for that child, He chose you. Above every other woman in the world, He chose you. But they're His kids. And He has decided to have you help Him. He's given us a support team, as I said. He's given us a family. That's why the best home situation, ideally husband, wife, a mom and a dad together. Growing the the family together. Not Dads, if you've ever done it before, you realize you're not very good at being a mom. And moms, if you've ever had to do it before, you're not very good at being a dad. And yet, because God made us a certain way to fulfill a certain role. And so don't try to do this alone. Moms, dads, and this is maybe maybe more of a, of a, of a plea to dads. Get in, I mean, make sure that you're there. Make sure that you're involved. Don't let, it's not mom's, mom's decision. Mom, do this. Mom will take care of it. I know you work hard and you work, you go out into the workforce and you're there 40, 50 hours a week and you come home and the last thing you want to do is check in at another job. But that's your job. Help mom out. Parents even, God has given us our parents. And I think from the very first cry that we didn't understand, the very first time that that baby just wouldn't shut up in the middle of the night. And you know what I'm talking about? You're like, I love you, but right now I don't at all. I just want some sleep. (laughs) What do we do? We call our parents up. What do I do? I need some help. And it's just, it's just an incredible thing that the way that all of a sudden that grandmother becomes mom again and remember, hey, don't do this, do this, do this. I don't care what that doctor says. Does that doctor ever raise any kids? No. I mean, do this. My grandma, my grandma would say, I raised five kids. That doctor has raised zero. I know what I'm doing. Doctor said, don't no, do this. You know, and I, and I tell my, my wife, she was very protective. You know, I, I, what I've noticed is with kids, the very first one were very protective of them. You know, he won't eat sweets until he's two. But then as they progress, like, ah, whatever, it's okay. The first one, nobody may hold him. By like two or three, we're like, anybody? Anybody want to hold him? Anyone want to take him for the weekend? Please. I just need a break. The picture amount, first child, second child, somewhere around later on, we're like, you have no baby picture, son. Just believe me. You were born. Uh, <laughs> just trust us on this one. Or we try to Photoshop big brother's picture and they're like, look at that. You and your brother looked exactly the same. In exactly the same year. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just part, of, part of being a parent. So I don't feel like you're a bad parent if you do that. But you're not alone. you got a family. You have, you have friends even. We even have a church family. That's part of the reason to have this church is to give you a support staff to help you raise your kid. We haven't taken the responsibility away from you. It's still on you, parents. But we are here to help. And as we gather together with the ministries that we do with Awana and with VBS and with uh, Release Time on Wednesdays and and with the Tots Church going on downstairs and with all the programs and all the things that we do for our kids, it's here for you. It's here to be a help to you, not just as a babysitting opportunity. Oh, yes, an hour and a half. I'll take it. That's all there for your benefit. We want to be there a help for you, but but what I find is amazing here, and it's in the it's in your notes there, Titus two is an instruction to the older moms. The moms, and this is not calling all, you know, some of you old moms. Let's just think of it more as experienced moms, all right? More seasoned moms. The moms who have been in the stage that someone else is going through currently. And this is what Titus tells them. He calls them the aged women. He probably didn't get too many, too many good looks after he called them all aged women. But he says, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Notice that they may teach the young women. It's their job. It is your job, ladies. One of the responsibilities you have as a part of the body of Christ is to teach the young ones how to be a mom. I mean, what's my gift? What's my talent? You have any kids? All right. There's a gift. Did you survive? Are any of them in prison right now? No? Okay, good. Then you're a success. Okay? Uh, you know, did you, did you, did you get through the parenting stage? Did you get through the baby stage? Did you get through the toddler stage? Did you raise, have you ever raised teenagers? Have you ever raised adult children? Have you, how does that interact? Because that relationship completely changes each time, doesn't it? And as you experience those things, now you can help someone else coming along. Let me ask you this. What do you wish someone would have told you or done for you when you were a new mom of infants? Can we all remember? Can we go back that far to when we had infants and we had no idea what we were doing? Don't you wish that someone would have come along or maybe did, maybe someone did come along and say, hey, let me help you with this. At the very least, let me watch the baby for an hour and let me just give you a chance to be alone for an hour. I'll even sit in your home and hold your baby. Let me uh, clean, let for you. Let me do whatever Wh- whatever it is. What do you wish someone would have done for you? What about with teenagers? What about with the adult children or college students? You know there, there, there are certain things we can we can speak. I, can, I read this in a book, so this has helped you. But you know there's so much more valuable information that comes from a person who successfully did it already and says, I know what you're going through right now. Let me share with you what I have learned from this. Let me share with you what I wish someone else would have done for me. Let me do that for you. That's part of the team. You're not alone. So maybe an admonition to all of us, let's make sure that we're not making our mothers feel all alone. Of course, parents have that final responsibility, but we need to share that wisdom we need to share that experience we need someone who can simply empathize remember that trying to do it all alone makes it a burden instead of a blessing i want you to notice let me just show you a couple of verses uh luke one obviously this is this is uh jesus uh the, the the angel coming to mary about jesus being born but you know being a mom is not an affliction being a mom is not a punishment. You are highly favored. Think about that. God chose you specifically, just as God chose Mary specifically to be the mother of Jesus Christ. God chose you. It says, uh, there at the very end there, he says, you are, you have found favor with God. God looked at you and said, you are the perfect person to raise those little ones right beside you or those big ones out wherever they are right now. God said, I need you. Even though he knew that you didn't know it all yet. Even though he knew that you were going to make some mistakes, even though he knew who you were married to or weren't married to, God said, I want you to take, I want you to take this job. I want you to be the one to raise them. Children are a blessing and a reward. Looking, if you, if you see it in your notes, there's Psalm 127, it says, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the room is his, his reward. And I have to be very careful because I don't want to make some people feel bad, but if you have children, that is God's reward to you. God has blessed you with those. It goes on to say that happy is the man that has his quiver full of children. I sometimes think that the word happy has to mean something like crazy because the more kids you have in your house, you're not, you're not, you're like, it's like plastered there. You're just nuts, right? You have like 35 kids and you're like, ah, what do I do now? You know, but, but the Bible teaches that God that, that having kids it's it's a it is a reward that God that God gives us. Not to say that if you don't have children, and I have like I said, I'm trying to be very careful that if you, if you couldn't have children, you don't have children, God didn't bless you, and God doesn't and God is judging you. That's not exa- anything like I'm saying. But the Bible does teach that if that, that when we have children, they are a blessing, not a curse from God. I know sometimes it feels that way, uh, but they are they are a blessing from God. And let me just say this, number, number three there. You can't have grandchildren unless you have children, okay? I've been told that grandchildren are far better than children, all right? Now, grandkids tell me this all the time. My dad said after he had a grandson, he said, if I'd have known grandkids were this great, I'd have skipped the kids and just had the grandkids. My dad has also said, and I, I, I like take offense to all these things because I'm the reason he's saying these things. He says, grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children when you wanted them. But you can't have grandchildren without children. So, you know, there's the benefit. There's the reward. Children's children are the crown of old men. God says, this is, this is a, this is a, a partnership. This is a blessing. I am going to give you the unique responsibility and privilege of raising that young person because if that young person that lived in your home and learned how to do everything that person knows how to do because you taught them, grows up to be successful, grows up to be uh someone who does something great, I immediately I don't know why I think this. Think about Abraham Lincoln's mom. She must have felt pretty proud of herself. I raised that boy, look at that boy, look what he's doing. And people who and just like you know, you think of uh the other side of the of the, of the coin you would You would kind of look to mom like, what, what did his mother do? his mother didn 't hold him enough his mother uh, uh dropped him too many times or whatever and that's his problem. you know uh, you have that unique privilege and responsibility to help train the future of this world. And God says, "I want them to grow inside of you, and then I want them to grow beside you, and I want you to teach them and I want you to love them, and I want you to teach them and really, as I said earlier in the service. You mom are one of the first glimpses that a child sees of God. Think about all the maternal qualities that a mom shows her baby. That's what God does. God says, it is, it is, it is your, it is your privilege. So remember, number one, you're not alone. Number two, when you do start to feel overwhelmed and it's going to happen, go to God. Go right to God, just like Moses did. Go to Him and and, and, and get that strength that you need. Don't tell, well, I can just do this on my own. I just need to work harder. I just need to try harder. I just need to sacrifice a little bit more. I just need to do this and this and this. You know what? I look around the room and, I've, and, and I see a lot of moms who do a lot for their kids. But you know the greatest thing you can do for your kids? Is to go to God for that. To pray for your kids. Pray for yourself and ask God to give you what you need because when you finally realize I don't have what it takes to be a mom, God, I need you to fill me. And notice what he says in uh um, sorry, in in, uh 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound every good work. That includes motherhood. God says, I can give you the grace so that you will abound, you will have the sufficiency, you will be sufficient, you will be good enough, and you will abound in this task that I gave you to raise that child. You ever looked at that child and thought, I have no idea how to how to take this one? Even if he's one of multiple, because every kid is different, right? Man, if they were all alike, it would be easier. But, I mean, there is no book that says, you know, there's the Bible, but the Bible didn't tell me how to raise my two completely opposite children. And you know, and sometimes they do stuff. And what I've found, the things that irritate me most about my kids are things that remind me of me. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the Holy Spirit does that. He's like, "Yeah, I know, I know what you're dealing with." But when we start to feel overwhelmed, go to God. Second Corinthians twelve nine, Paul is is complaining about a, an affliction that he had, but God says, "My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness." He says, "I can give you grace that will be enough." You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be insufficient. You don't have to feel incomplete. God says, if you'll come to me, I can give you all the things that you need. We saw it in the we'll see it in the story in a few, in a few seconds. Here, God says, I want you to call 70 men, and they're going to help you run the country. If we're following this motherhood thing, it took 71 men to do what, 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 what mom does. God says, I, I want you to come to me when you, when you start to feel that overwhelming. Because when we feel overwhelmed, we feel like we're trapped. There's nothing I can do. There's nowhere I can go. I just can't do this. And we feel like quitting. God says, come to me. And then lastly, number three, and we'll be done. Let others help. I told, I told, I told you, I mean, the church is here. We're here to help, but you have to let us help. Don't feel like, well, I don't want to inconvenience them. Because, you know, they, they've already raised their kids and I don't want, no, no, no. They're supposed to help. So let them help. If a, if a, if an older, more experienced lady comes to you and tries to offer some sort of assistance, take it, accept it. You don't have to take all the advice they give. I know everybody, everybody's an expert, right? I raised one child and now I know how to raise yours. But my child's in prison, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, everybody's an expert when it comes to children, marriage, and money. I know that. But when we offer, when we come not offering advice, but when we come offering help, take it. You know, one of the greatest things, I was telling a couple of this, uh, just recently, someone offered to watch their child overnight. <laughs> I was like, accept it and then ask them to do it again <laughs> because, uh, you need it. I mean, one of the first time we spent the night, uh, away from our, our newborn, it was like, oh, full night's sleep. I knew what that was like because I was getting them already. But my wife was like, "Oh, sleep. Uh Just a just a, a wonderful thing." And you know, we had we were fortunate enough to live real close to my parents, and they helped out. But we had uh, a ton of, uh, of a family member, or not family members, church family members around us that wanted to help and wanted to do. And, and and even here, there's people that have that have done stuff. And 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 you've looked out for for us and for our kids, and you've done so many things for us already. And, and that's what a church is supposed to be for. So moms. Don't try to be super mom. You already are super mom, but don't try to be alone. Don't try to feel like I gotta stand and do this all by myself. God gave you a man. God gave you a church. God gave you family. Use them. Use them for your to your advantage because the goal is to raise the children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That means dads, family members. And even the kids, mom needs your help. Mom needs your help doing all the things. Imagine if mom just—well, we know what it's like sometimes when mom goes away. It's like uh, who's gonna empty the dishwasher? Well, I'll just wait till mom gets back. One of the things I did when my, my wife left—I, uh, uh, we, you know, dad's always pile things in the sink. We just let it keep going. We learn how to balance things up. So I took a picture. I was like, "Hurry home!" We're running out of room in the sink, uh, and then I put them in the dishwasher. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that, we need to help. We need to, we need to look around. We need to, we need to pay attention to mom. So on Mother's Day, you know, we give her breakfast in bed or we're going to take her out to lunch or make her something or make her a card. We're going to, we're going to try to look out for mom today. But you know, really, the other 364 days of the year, we ought to be looking out for mom and helping mom out. Uh, let us be, let us, let, let this be the reset button in our lives. We say, you know what? Let me look to mom and see what she needs. We saw it, as I said, in verse number 16, God said, I want you to get 70 men. And in verse 17, it says, I'll come down and talk with you there. He says, I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. God did not intend for you to do this all by yourself. Moms, you are special. God chose you to carry a child, give birth to it, and then raise it. You are super You are amazing. We literally would not be here without you. Thank you for all that you do. But we need you. So don't feel like you have to do this all by yourself. We're here to help.